Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your also and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kolsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel... Uh, we are rounding, we, we, today, as we record, we finished up our sixth week of streaming in place. And so we're almost done with two seasons of Lucifer. Um, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And that second season of Lucifer is five episodes longer than the first season of Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you guys, did you, you said earlier you were, um, anticipating an, a lengthening of your stay. Do you guys have, a, have you heard about that yet? Uh, the press conference for that is in an hour as we record. Oh, okay. So I imagine you'll let me know. We've got a whole other month in yeah. Illinois, and I'm very grateful for that because um, of lots of various things. Um, I'm just, yeah, some places are open right now. Indiana's open right now, and I don't live right by the border or anything, but like, that seems... Very strange to me. It's a strange world we're all living in right now, I guess, is is, is the main thing. Uh, this week in social distancing, and, and there was some other, there was some good stuff. I, you know, I've been enjoying the some good news thing that John Krasinski is doing. Um, this week they did cooking. And so they had, he had, um, big name chefs cook people's like potluck recipes. Like, oh, so it was, uh-huh. it, so it was, um, David Chang, uh, Guy Fieri, uh, a bunch, a bunch of people. And then they like, they zoomed with the people who had sent recipes in. So, oh, okay. and, and, and watched them make it. And then they gave the food out. They donated the food. Um, so yeah, it was really cool. It was very fun. Highly recommended. Um, and then they also, <laughs> cause, cause it's, like, I'm not a good cook. But I know some. Oh, Tucci did someone's quarantini, uh, which was okay. delightful, of course, as expected. I also really enjoyed Amber Ruffin's um, Amber Says What about what? Now I have to be attracted to Stanley Tucci? <laughs> it's like, Amber, you're behind the, you're the behind train on You're behind on that. You should have been atta- attracted to Stanley Tucci for a while. For I a while. This, not as a balding dweebish man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other big thing this week for me, of course, was the Stephen Sondheim 90th birthday ce- celebration, which was uh-huh. on Sunday. And I did not watch it live. I did not watch it on, at the time. But I watched the the I watched like one or two clips on Sunday night. And you better believe I watched the whole thing Monday morning while I was while I was getting some work done. Uh, it was just chef's kiss. Delightful and wonderful. And some of those sequences must have taken a lot of effort to figure out and to edit together specifically the full orchestral overture that they did with everybody taping themselves individually at home. I'm sure they're all listening to clip track, uh, click tracks and such, but like, that's not even just from an editing perspective. Yeah. 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 That's a lot. So way to go guys. Did you watch any of these? Did you hear about any of these? I heard about the, the, the brunching ladies, ladies who lunch. Ladies Who Lunch, yes. I heard about that bit uh, because I think of the the sheer wattage of the people performing that. Um, and I heard about the, um, whatchamacallit, uh, the un, unreleased number from Assassins that they performed as well. Because mm-hmm. uh, someone retweeted uh, Rachel Bloom going, how did I never know about this song? 
<laughs> to which I went, well, it's Assassin's One. It's a weird, like you and I had discussed, it's a weird niche show anyway. Um, yes, but and, Rachel Bloom loves Assassins. <laughs> right. No, that's the thing. Is like she loves the show. And so she was just like, I just didn't know this existed. And I, I think also the, like that's delightful. Like that's my takeaways, even though I didn't haven't watched any of this, like the sheer amount of joy that it brought like people that I was paying attention to and also like other people were paying attention to and retweeting and everything. I just really loved that. And I found it very heartening. Um, I mean, my partner and I watched Alien that day because it was Alien Day. Um, But it was still really, really nice uh, just to see all of that in my feed. I really appreciated just the joy. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely watched the whole thing and then went back and read the the live tweets from a bunch of people. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. Highly recommended. Rachel Bloom just being like, I want to yell at all the commenters who are like, where are the movie stars? Shut up. This is for musical theater people. (laughs) Go away. (laughs) You're not invited. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's not that's not who this is for. It's not for the movie stars who are just trying to get a Tony Award. That's not (laughs) who this is for. (laughs) It's for people who are able to call Stephen Sondheim Steve. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and the and also Randy Rainbow, who's very available, which was a delightful way to for him to end his segment. Uh, yeah, it was it was really terrific. Uh, there were some wonderful surprises. There were some songs that I didn't know. Um, I the the someone in a tree was really good because that's um, I don't know if you know that song, but it's about perspective over time and and uh, about um, a, a, an old man reflecting on when he was a child and climbed a tree. And observed the signing of a peace treaty that no one, there are no records of. Okay. So like, so it's like, no one knows what happened. He's like, actually, I, I was there. I was in a tree. And, um, and so the song is, and then there's also someone who's hiding underneath the building when it's happening. So the song is, is about the perspective of time, the young man, the old man, and then this other person. And if nobody knows that they saw it, does that like there's always someone watching kind of a thing but they did yeah. it in a zoom box so because normally there's a kid in a tree and there's an old man underneath the tree right so the so they had the squares and they were taking advantage of like what so the what i'm just thinking about the logistics of filming it because yeah. they like they they have that you know and of course they're all direct to camera so they have to just have memorized and then you look up to diagonal left because we're going to move your box to be here and remove the other box to be there so now you're going to look up like you're looking in the tree and now you're going to look down to the right because we moved your box and now you know just like the mechanics of that um it's a lot to keep track of and they did a wonderful job it's also it's just a hard song but it's a really cool song it's one of those songs that um doesn't seem like it's hard when you watch people who know what they're doing but if you appreciate if you if you have done enough music or you know understand it, um, you you can appreciate just how tricky it is to really nail it. And they did a wonderful job. So there's a bunch of really great moments like that. There's also Ian Armitage, who's young Sheldon. Yeah. Who like a video of him when he was even younger, singing. Look, I made a hat. <laughs> like he's just like this like six or seven year old kid doing. Look, I made a hat. <laughs> it's just so cute. It's adorable. All sorts of good stuff. Um, so yeah, highly recommended. If you need like some background music, if you're, if you need, uh, if you're trying to think of what should I put on, like it would be nice to not have, you know, a, a podcast about coronavirus or politics right now. Two and a half hours. 
pretty good. It's great. There's fun stories. It's it's good. Um, anyways, there'll be a link to that in the show notes today. Uh, there's some other fun news. The the one day at a time team. We're gonna talk about their episode this week, Supermoon. But they also uh, there there that was the last one I think they were able to film before they shut down. So they're yes. gonna do which is I think a first. I don't think anyone else has come out saying they're doing this. They're gonna film an animated special, which is really smart. And something that they can do while they're distanced. Um, they have a concept. I don't know if it was like they partially filmed or something that they're going to use and then go into animated sequences or if the whole thing's going to be animated. But I think that's very creative and a good, uh, smart way to be able to do some form of production during all of this. Yeah, I'm mostly interested in what the animation is going to be since animation is not not a thing that you can necessarily do at home depending on like people depending on like yeah what computer you have at home yeah right because like i mean i haven't discussed this but like the entire spring anime season is basically done Mm -hmm. and it only started like three weeks ago because that's all that they were able to produce for like three to four episodes for a lot of a lot of shows um so because of the rapid turnaround of stuff in that industry so i'm really curious about like What's the animation process for you all? Because that's still something you can't do at home, depending on like you like you just said, people's setups. So I'm really curious about that um, and how it's going to work. I'm really, I, I really want to see it, mm-hmm. um, but I'm really curious about that from just like a industrial per- production level. Yeah, I think it's something. I saw something about um, family coming to visit or something. Yeah, that's and what then- I saw too. Yeah, different, like, perspectives. Like, each of the main characters is going to have, like, some like something about their interpretation of, like, the family or what they think is going to happen when they come or something like that. So I, w- I would kind of anticipate a Bob's Burger style, like... The kids tell an episode, yeah. Kids tell an episode, but but each anime, each sequence or each character gets a different animation style is sort of what mm-hmm. I'm anticipating. But yeah, and so that way they can also farm it out to different shops. Yeah, which for would be different a parts of the idea. episode, like yeah. six minute sequences or something like that. Um, but I don't know. Which is still a lot of work. All I know is that we're gonna get another episode with the Alvarezes. So, because uh, because this isn't enough, <laughs> but we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But while I was watching, uh, while I was like watching and rewatching Sondheim, you yes. were watching another special uh, like viewing thing on YouTube this week. Yeah. Uh, and it was the, the Frankenstein thing that we talked about back when it first happened. Yeah. So the National Theater is allowing people to stream for free, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's and Johnny Lee Miller's um, performances of Frankenstein, which they did back in 2011 and 2012 over in England. And so right now for the, from Thursday through to next Thursday. So the sixth or the seventh, the seventh, I think um, you can watch Benedict Cumberbatch play the creature and Johnny Lee Miller play Victor Frankenstein. And then next the following week after that, they swap, they do the performance swap and you can watch Cumberbatch play Victor Frankenstein and Miller play the creature. Um, so I watched this on a Thursday and it was pretty solid. Um, I thought like, I think I'd much rather watch the Miller version of the creature than uh, Cumberbatch's version of the creature. Nothing against it. I just don't know that it worked. And I don't know that Miller quite works as Frankenstein. 
Um, but then there's also just like, it's a weird sort of like technical show as well in terms of like special effects of a really cool light installation that they made just specifically for this show. Um, that is really stunning, even on like the screen. I can't even imagine experiencing it like in the theater. Um, but then there's also like this rotating platform that comes out from like below the stage and like is tilted and all this stuff, which, um, like I mentioned, um, I think I've mentioned my partner and I have been watching Slings and Arrows and she just kept yelling in a very Darren Nichols-esque way of like, Jeffrey, you don't understand my vision. I need flames, uh, actual fire on the stage and a platform that comes out from under the stage. Jeffrey! <laughs> and, um, which is delightful that Darren has made such a great impact on her considering she's only watched it once and i'm just like oh god i love darren nichols but um so it's very much that um i think that it lacks kind of a thematic through line to a certain degree um there's some neat stuff in there that just doesn't follow through which i'm shocked shocked that danny boyle wasn't able to manage a thematic through line danny boyle noted for his thematic through lines Mm -hmm. um but I still think it's worth watching. I think maybe wait until next week if you're interested to see Miller play the creature, uh, which from what I've read is generally the preferred version, preferred staging of the play. So I'll probably circle back to that next week, but I'm probably also going to have it on like a little bit in the background. I will say that you do have to power through like the first 10 minutes, first 10 to 15 minutes of the play because it is just the creature kind of floundering around, verbalizing and learning how to walk again. And it's an intense amount of like physicality work. So I can understand why they were trading off because I can't imagine doing that for eight performances straight every week because um, I would die. And I have to imagine that they would die too. <laughs> um, so it's worth watching, I think. But like, I, I think it may have been just overhyped for me but they both won olivier awards for their respective like work in this which just the sheer amount of physicality to play the creature i think is just bonkers so yeah that sorry i'm just mentally still at your tweet about cumberbuns <laughs> oh i was so upset that he was in like just like flesh-colored underoos and i was just like i just i just wanted some just wanted some i just want some butt and some dong we get some breasts <laughs> later but we don't get any dong, and I'm very upset. <laughs> oh, good times. Oh, good times. Uh, okay, let's... Pee uh, on the stage? How does that work? What's yeah, the- I was going to say, we're <laughs> through the teens, right? So we'll yeah. have to come up with a new pun for the 20s, and I don't... <laughs> that takes too much mental energy so we're just gonna listen to some pretty music and be right back after this to talk about our week in tv after that at the end of the show we are talking about season four of better things which just wrapped up this week with its uh season finale Uh, so that's coming at the end of the show but until then let's take a break listen to some music and go back with our week in tv
This week in TV, we're going to kick things off with a little Parks and Recreation talk, or I should say I will, because uh, that's not your jam, Noel, and that's okay. I'm trying to be more accepting. Uh, then we'll talk a little one day at a time and their, what they're calling their mid-season finale, uh, because they're, they, it's our last episode for a while. That was Supermoon. Then what we do in the shadows, The Curse. Then we'll move over to genre with Batwoman, A Narrow Escape. And The Flash, Liberation. Then we're going to catch up with The Good Fight, which is back. Yay. Uh, the gang gets a call from HR. And then we'll head over to reality to round things up. So first, Top Chef All-Stars LA, Pitch Perfect. Then I'll talk briefly about We're Here, Twin Falls, Idaho, and uh, Drag Race Celebrity Edition. And we'll round things out with RuPaul's Drag Race uh, Choices 2020. Oh, I love Tati so much. No Tati cameo. cameo. Ugh. Anyways, we'll get there. First up is the Parks and Recreation special, which I liked. I thought it was charming and nice uh the internet loved it a lot more than i did i thought it was 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 charming and fun and and nice like i said like that's it um it was uh it was nice to spend some time with characters that i enjoyed and for some people it clearly was very uh comforting to them and whatever you're gonna get take comfort from right now as long as you're not hurting anybody that's awesome. You do you and enjoy it. I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum. Uh, for me, I, I thought parts of it were better than others. Uh, I liked, because of course Nick Offerman is married to Megan Mullally, they could actually interact. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, they, so, so they had, uh, I mean, I guess spoiler alert, but they had her character be uh, hiding outside of ron's place because she's obsessed with ron and then they got to so she was tied up and everything and they got to do some fun stuff there uh but i thought they particularly they did a good job for coming up with very reasonable explanations why the characters who are married are not in scenes together because the actors are not um so one of them is back to working as a nurse so so she's social, uh, so she's distancing from her family so as to not, inf- uh, in- infect them. One of them accidentally locked himself in a shed. <laughs> and, and then the other one, uh, they're in different states because of, uh, one works for the government in, in DC. So, like, they, the, the balance they found for very reasonable reasons that actors can't be, that characters who should be together during quarantine aren't right. at least for their purposes of this call they also made it a daily phone call like a thing that they're do- like the a phone tree they're setting up every day so you buy that they wouldn't have like waited uh, or like planned their time ahead to make sure that they were together for this call if it's a thing that happens every day then oh i just happen to be in this other room or like i'm headed out the door to that other thing makes more sense so i think that you know they wrote around the realities of how they had to film it in a very believable and, and uh, effective way. It was like a tight half hour, right? (laughs) No longer than necessary. They appropriately started and ended it with, with um, uh, Leslie and Ron. And uh, yes, it is only for fans of the show. There's a big old sing along that is meaningless to anyone who doesn't already love the show and uh, and it's all callbacks but if you do then you're going to enjoy this episode so uh yeah there was a good and delightful number of cameos and guest spots so uh there are some people that would have been nice to see pop up who don't but i don't know where they would have fit them 
Uh-huh. The timing, the pacing was pretty good. Um, so no Joe Biden is what I'm hearing. No Joe Biden. No. Uh, I, I just, I, for me, it did, didn't, um, like, in, in a week where there also was Bernadette Peters singing You Are Not Alone acapella gorgeously at the age of 72 in tribute to Stephen Sondheim and what we're all dealing with right now. Like, there's there's no way it's going to be in my, like, list of things I found most moving and comforting because it's not even in the same conversation as that and some of the other moments in the Sondheim thing. But um, a lot of people really loved it, and I think that's great. I think that they achieved their objective, and um, it was it was charming. So I certainly enjoyed it. Good. I'm very glad. But yeah, don't watch it, Noel, because this is not for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I knew it was not for me. Um, if we hadn't watched the Frankenstein thing, we probably would have watched this, even though my partner hasn't watched the last season of Parks and Rec. And so she was kind of a little wary about watching it, uh, which is the, ultimately the reason why we ended up just watching Frankenstein instead. But um, hopefully they'll keep it available for like streaming. Yeah. Um, so she can watch it when she finally does watch the last season. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a fundraiser for charity, so I would expect them to leave it up. Yeah, I would hope so. a while. So yeah. we'll see. Um, our next show is One Day at a Time, Supermoon. And I think, I mean, I don't know if this was intended to be like a halfway through the season pause, like always, but this works real well as a mid-season finale. It does. Yeah. It's really, like, I think that there's a lot of things to like about this episode from the whole, everyone's confused about why the roof looks so pretty, and then, like, kind of sidestepping the obvious sitcom hijinks of, did you do this? Yes, I did, because I did not forget about (laughs) our special day, Um, and all that kind of stuff. And instead, like, allowed folks to kind of have, like, all these couples to have these little small conversations about, what's our relationship looking like? Or... What what am I insecure about in the fact that you have a crush on a real person? No, we were just naming celebrities and <laughs> fictional characters. What do you mean, the barista? <laughs> um, so I think that there's a lot of like really fun little things like that. But I think ultimately the two things that I was sort of happiest about in this episode was we finally sort of discussed <laughs> season three. Mm-hmm. A little bit insofar as we acknowledge Schneider is back on the back on the wagon and is working through sobriety once again. We're not really dealing with any of the fallout of his uh, falling off the wagon from season three, which I'm still a little frustrated by. But then we get the discussion of Cuba and why the Cuba thing hasn't been in any way, shape or form present. And the discussion around that, I think, is really, really lovely. And I think that the very nice moment in which they prevent the la- the easy laugh of Schneider like wanting to come in and but then like pushing him aside because this is very much just ours and i think that's really good and really honest to all of those characters so it does indeed feel like a really perfect sort of like mid-season finale even if like you said it wasn't intended as such so i think it really works and i also just really liked that penelope and Guy whose name I can't remember, but who's a hunk. Um, <laughs> Max. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Come to an agreement that's non traditional, but also will work for them. And I think that's just really important from a representational standpoint. Um, hopefully, because I'm glad that Max has grown enough that he can accept that. Also. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like 
they're on the same page, which is right, exactly. really nice. Yeah. It, just to see a character, like, <laughs> it's not unexpected from what we know of her, but uh-huh. to have her response to a, what would be a way too soon marriage proposal, yeah. like, way too soon, unless, like, there was stuff that they know that we don't know that they have intentionally not talked to us about. Yeah. on the show right uh with a nope no 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 running away nope no this is terrible this is ter- mm. uh <laughs> was was awesome <laughs> and yes. and uh and then of course the conversation gets to be okay but yes also hard agree but why so many no's <laughs> yes <laughs> was a lot more fun that's the more inter- interesting conversation to have yeah I liked how clear they are that, at least right now, she has no intention of ever getting married again and yeah. really does not want to. And not in a way that feels like trauma, but in a way that feels like hard-earned progress for her. Yes. Um, I think that's really lovely. And I think they, they execute it and they um, ex- like they have her verbalize that really, really well. So, yeah, no, it's like her reaction to we're going to have to do like intermittent dating and long distance is like, oh, my God, that's the dream. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's lovely. I really I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was very good. Um, the the fake outs with Schneider and Avery and um, with the different couples. Very good. <laughs> very nice. And then the ultimate resolution the notion of Snyder making that Schneider making that banner for this, like it's a bit much, but maybe that was the only font they could find or that. Cause some of that stuff, like it feels a bit on the nose, yeah. but also he's very cheesy. So like yeah, he is deeply, deeply cheesy. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't really matter. Snyder loves nice. love. <laughs> Just like Webby. Um, who is it? Who is it Webby? Who is it? Loves love. Everyone loves love. Everyone loves love, yeah. Uh, well, who also lo- loves n- love is Nadja. So let's go over to what we do in the shadows and the curse. I was very grateful for the return of the doll, right? Yes. An, an important I thing. was not, because it's creepy, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you, you think of this episode? And um, poor Guillermo, who keeps having to Van Helsing when he really doesn't want to. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't expecting a payoff from that so quickly. Like, I honestly did not expect that the amateur vampire hunter group to come back mm-hmm. this fast, let alone for them to get caught in an actual vampire, another actual vampire house on Staten Island. Mm-hmm. Also a really fucking scary one. Like, legitimately not okay. Um, there's just too many vampires in that house. Um just too many. But I, that entire sequence is really, really great. And I also appreciated that they had the care to remember the crew when they were writing that sequence. Yeah, that was awesome. I, I was like, well, wait, what about the crew? And then it's like, no, we didn't forget. And I was like, thank you for not forgetting the crew because those vampires are just going to eat the crew. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really, really funny. I feel really bad for that guy who got killed slash is probably now familiar because he was a virgin. Um, <laughs> they should have listened to him. <laughs> well, do you think he's, do you think he's going to come? He's definitely coming back, but do you think he's coming I, back as a familiar or as a vampire? I hope it's as a familiar, just so that there's that little tension there, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Um, so I really liked all of that stuff. Um, but the whole curse with the chain letter from Nandor's hotmail account 
was just gold. And I really, the thing I appreciated most about it was the fact that they zagged real hard on, it became a Colin Robinson joke instead of like a big, like real panic about Bloody Mary of him just like completely boring them to death and sucking all of their energy. (laughs) I loved it very much. This season has just been firing on all the cylinders and I'm just really impressed with what they're doing so far this season. I just need more already. How did you feel about this episode? Oh, it was delightful. It was really fun. It's it's very good. And uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to have to be one that I, I start sitting my family down to watch because it's just, it's really fun. It's really funny going into the lengthy description of, I mean, right. Colin knows that this is bullshit, right? Yes. He's just enjoying. Yes. He's torturing them. He's just really enjoying them. Uh, And his, just the prospect of how it could feed through his entire company. If they're also as gullible as his roommates um, is, is one of the better sequence. And like the, all of the, the whole cast is just really good at be like, having their energy sapped by Colin. They've gotten really good at that because like slight slump and then trying to fight it, but like not, you know, it's very in particular is just really, really good at it. Yeah. 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 It's good stuff. Um, (laughs) I liked, I enjoyed like the dynamics of, uh, of the Nadia Laszlo thing, like of like the curse, your arm doesn't stop a curse. So put put your arm down. Come on. Uh, It was just, it's very, very funny. And I think they pushed it the right amount. Of yes. ridiculous before you know coming up with the 10 emails so the, like at circuit city being like the card they come up with is just yeah lots of really good flourishes and details so yeah i'm super on board <laughs> with what we do in the shadows uh i am also on board i guess with batwoman and narrow escape i liked what we get in most of this episode particularly i like the okay yeah also Bruce totally has killed people. Why do you think the Joker's not around? He does. It's not good. It's not a positive thing. But you know, and and it's in a way they can unwrite it if they want to unwrite it because it's a it's a character's perspective. It's not something that we're shown. But like, I I love that reasoning for why he disappeared. Why he's yes. you know that's why he's not here anymore. And also, uh, look what happened to the city as soon as he left. And also, no, we're not doing the Joker, guys. We're definitely not doing the Joker. Um, the I liked pretty much everything, actually, that we got in this episode, except the ending is such a stupid detail, but it bothers me so much. Why does she take a king with her own king with the queen on the chest? She didn't take the... She was the black chess piece. She didn't take the white chess piece and go, like, checkmate, I win. She took... Black, um, it's a base setting chessboard. Ha ha ha. Take the king with my own. Qu- oh my God. Okay. I know it shouldn't bother me, but it really did. No, I think it's fair. I think it's super fair to bother you. Also, Kate, like, yeah, no, he may have like, maybe he killed the Joker, but that was before all the worlds got collided back together. So we don't know. Yeah, that's true. If there's another Joker on this planet now as a result. <laughs> um, so who knows? But don't do the Joker, everyone. Um, there's no need for Batwoman to do the Joker. They're barely handling Tommy Elliot very well right now. Um, so I think that this episode's okay. Um, I really liked all the Mary stuff we got and Mary being like, yeah, no, you're Batwoman. Duh. 
Yeah. And it's just like, good, glad, we're done. We're done with this. Now we can just move on. And also now we can have Mary on the team full time. And I'm very here for that. Um, I'm less confident about everything that they're doing with Luke, what they've been building up to for the past couple episodes with him sort of getting really angry and frustrated with um, the judicial system. Re his dad, Lucius's um, kill murderer and all this. Um, it feels really just kind of out of like, it doesn't fit with both how the character has been written, but also like the emotional thing that we've seen with the character as well. It just kind of feels a little out of left field for me. So I've been kind of struggling with that element of it, but I really feel like they're trying to skate towards that version of Luke that existed in crisis on infinite earths to a certain degree. And I'm like, but that Luke was bad. Don't do that. That Luke didn't work. Please. I know you're not going to do that, but it, it doesn't feel like it fits this show. So stop doing this. It it just feels it feels off and it doesn't feel as earned as I think it should be. So that's really kind of my struggle with it. But I know that this ultimately is about like our sisters. So I'm not trying to get too hung up on it. <laughs> well, it um they're jumping some time in like mid episodes. So there's that, but uh-huh. not nearly enough for the transformation they're wanting. Yes, yeah. to see it needed to have been more gradual and more subtly handled unless it's supposed to be an out of character like overreaction that's going to stabilize which is possible but then if that's the case i don't take it seriously for a moment yeah um so yeah they yeah that was yeah, not great um you know what i was enjoying though were the parallels between this episode and the recent episodes with Batwoman and Lucifer, which were happening this week as we were watching, because yes. there were several. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like, oh, it's the same thing like that we're doing on streaming and play. Okay. We'll talk about that <laughs> later. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. So, but I do, I do like what we get with the sisters. Finally, um, they know that she knows that they know right, all of that with Mary's out of the way and just, just, just pair up uh, Luke with Mary have them be like buddies hanging out, helping out, you know, and on team bat. And, yeah. and that's, that's just a much more entertaining dynamic, yeah. but um, we'll see what they do. I also didn't like that. They felt they had to goose it and make it like Lucius died specifically because they mentioned Luke and that's why he charged. And it's like, yeah. you don't need to do all of that. No, you don't. It's too overwrought. Even for like a superhero. soap, it's too overwrought. Yeah. Speaking of, over on The Flash, we had Liberation, and uh-huh. there's some stuff here that I like and that works. Yes. And there's some stuff that is very stupid. Tell me about the stupid stuff. Okay. Celeste should have known immediately. Immediately. The fact yeah. that they... Ca- I was like, oh, is she been, has she been replaced too? And that's why they're slow playing this. Oh, no. No. She just can read emotions and can't tell the difference between the h- human... And the construct with some connection to the human, but an overriding need to obey something else's will. Like, yeah, that was very stupid. Yes. No, no, no. It really was. It was really frustrating. The kind of slipshoddy way that they're using Celeste's powers. Um, and I, it was just Celeste. Are you having a Celeste Cecile issue again? 
Yes, sorry, that's on me. Okay. Cecile. Okay, you're right. Cecile, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was just like it was it's really slipshod with how they do that. And I was I was frustrated by that as well. Um so yeah, sorry. Yeah. So yeah, so it was just bleh. Um the flip side of that for me is, is that I really liked how they sort of slow played like Barry's whole like kind of breakdown about it, however of like making him seem weirdly off kilter and obsessive about it um, in a way that made him feel like the bad guy, even before like they do the little switcheroo with the device. I think that the ways in which they like play him with seal and with Nash make that more interesting, but also it feels too contrived because now we have Caitlin sick yeah. and Cisco and Dibney dealing with that because we need the we need all the science people out of the way mm-hmm. so that we don't give away the game too quickly here. And so that weird sort of backbending to get what they want done feels really bad. Um, but I still like like Grant Gustin's performance in those sequences is really good. I think I really like Candace Patton in this. Oh. Pff- Candace Patton's been so good this season, but mm-hmm. she's really good in this episode on both levels of the performance that she's doing here. Um, she's just really, really good. That whole scene with her with um, Bloodwork was really, really good. I was very dismayed when he came back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> but he's but, gone. We don't have to deal with him anymore. Yeah. But the ways in, the way in which that they needed him to like make her whole again, like Eva McCullough whole again, I thought was like, Oh, that's kind of neat, though. Mm-hmm. I like how they're doing all the mirror powers because, as someone who really likes Mirror Master as like just a power set, they're, what they're doing this season with that character and with the, that concept, I think, is working really, really well. That whole thing with the mirrors falling and stabbing and stuff—it was really good. Yeah, but also just stab him. <laughs> yeah, but you you want to like you want to like you you know no <laughs> you want to okay. like just really like just kind of you want to make it cool looking kate <laughs> i'm just thinking of like it's just gonna make such a mess together. it's gonna make a mess but they don't have to clean broom yeah i don't know <laughs> um okay over on the good fight we have the gang gets a call from hr which yes. is which is fun we get some delightful guest cast i wanted to specifically mention andrea Novato, who, who of course is terrific on Jay the Virgin or was terrific on Jay the Virgin. I hope that we're going to get more of her this season, but I kind of think we aren't. And it's a shame because they gave her nothing to do. Like even she's on the stand twice in her episodes and she says the exact same, because they asked the same questions. She says the exact same thing. So at least like give her anything to play. Cause now like she's an established character. They're not going to get a different, she's not going to get a different character she can play in this universe. And it's a shame. It is a real shame. Uh, yeah. And I do think that this is probably the last we're going to see of her because of the memo six, six, one, eight stuff really taking off in this episode, um, which oh, shows so weird, but <laughs> I think that, <laughs> I think that the whole thing with her character is very much done because it's the inciting incident. And it's a real shame because she's really, really good, obviously. Um, but I'll be really curious if she remains the through. I'll be really surprised if she remains the through line that kind of propels any of this forward because it gives them a good pro bono fighting for the little person narrative to run against this whole the rich have this weird memo that influences the judicial system on a federal level. 
Um, which, yes, obviously, but also <laughs> I think that tracking that will give them something grounded, but also the good fight doesn't do grounded. Um, so I'll be curious to see what they manage to, if they manage to weave anything going forward. Mostly I was just delighted by how confused Lewis Canning seemed because you never get to see Lewis Canning confused by something. Mm-hmm. And he seems kerflamped. And I I like that. Um, watching him just go, I don't have a docket number because the case doesn't exist. But also I was here for that case that existed. But I don't, I can't prove it anymore. And it's such a canning trip for him because that's the kind of reality denial stuff he used to do all the time on Good, Good Wife. So yeah. Um, how did you feel about like, the ramping up of that and how did you feel about the larger reparations conversation that we the show wanted to have um i think that the i i enjoyed that part of the episode and i enjoyed how uh i particularly enjoyed the resolution of never mind bye um which does feel very appropriate it's for... such a Frank and DNC thing, both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that feels right. It's like, let's stir up a hornet's nest and then decide, oh, this thing that you told us that we didn't want uh, because you didn't think we were, you know, wanted honest answers. And you said you wanted honest answers. And so then we we, we created, kicked over this thing and started a con- difficult, thorny conversation you said you wanted. And now you're like, but it's messy. Bye. Um, yeah, that... that <laughs> felt just right i thought the the way that they handled especially the partner's reactions to everything um work, worked nicely and adding david lee to that kind of those that kind of scene is just really nice but at the same time like his whole line about i would sooner cut my own wrists than go to hr voluntarily is mm-hmm. just pure david lee because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. god no he would god no 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 um, you'd just be so upset. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of all that? I think it works relatively well. And I like the the fact that they allowed a lot of crosstalk and like conversation kind of occur, both on a political level, but also on a like, this is not something that we should be expected to do at work, which I thought was a really important thing to like push to the forefront of that kind of undue expectations that was being put upon them to do this labor for the DNC, which has his own like whole other thing that feeds into that narrative. If you're tapped into like larger political structure about the democratic party, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that all of that, when you have that context and then it gets baked in to the fact that they're asking black people at their jobs to, take time away from their jobs to solve this problem mm-hmm. for them, I think is really, really good and really, really interesting. Um, so I really appreciated like how that was woven throughout. So it worked really, really well for me as did Marissa yelling at Frank um, as soon as he came out of the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> we're never going to get Alan coming to come back. So we're just going to have Sarah Steele yell at this man every time he's <laughs> I'm very here for it. Uh, speaking of Sarah Steele, what do you think of Caleb? God, it's such a good meat cute. Mm-hmm. Peeling a ru- uh, rutabaga. Yeah, rutabaga. Oh God, it's so stupid. Um, I I'm very here for that character, and I'm very here for Hugh Dancy. As you know, I love him. 
Um, he's he's my delicate little lamb. Um, <laughs> however, I say all this. That character feels like it's has been written for someone significantly younger than Hugh Dancy. Mm-hmm. And I'm especially that whole get me on a second chair thing does not feel like something that should be coming from that character. Yeah. Um, at least on like an age level. Um, yeah, he's he's 44. Right. And that's that's a little unless he like started late, which is a possibility. But well, I'm they gonna said be- he, the character's 38. Because yeah. he was in the army. Right. Okay. So that might work a little better for me than that's a good detail that had kind of slipped my mind because he was like a sergeant. Yeah. Right. So that helps a little bit with that concept of like maybe he went through law school after being after finishing up his stint. Um so maybe that's how that works. Um yeah, that that helps me a little bit. Thank you for reminding me about that cuz just the whole vibe of that character was it's like haven't you been second chair a bunch on a bunch of things? Yeah, you exactly. Been lead chair on some things? Yeah. Yeah. So it feels really weird, but then again, like Maya was never anything. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> for like 3 years, so who the hell knows. Um so but I I'm interested to see what that character does going forward because in this part it's you're trying to pick out what's the scheme and what's not so yeah how did you feel about him oh i very much enjoy him right if anybody who is on was on hannibal they want to bring on you know we're gonna enjoy yeah um such a talented cast uh but uh yeah i'm intrigued and i like that I think that they've really established that we can trust Marissa's judgment on people. So that feels really secure. So that's, you know, assuming we can, that's a much more interesting way to go yeah. with this character than what we're getting so far. And um, yeah, it's it, the, the shenanigans at the firm are more interesting now that they have, you know, Lorian Finch, uh, sorry, Lorian for Firth. Uh, and the fact that we've only met, Larket so far is yeah. I, I assume that'll stay the same and then there'll be like a reveal of Lori or we will just never meet Lori and yeah. it's going to be interesting so so adding in that extra it turns out to be Will Gardner he faked his death and changed his name surprise <laughs> oh don't do that to me <laughs> it would I would be so sad and also happy and also this is stupid but also yay <laughs> and call Alicia anyways um it, it was, uh, it's fun. It's fun. I'm enjoying it. And it's the freshest the inter-firm politics have been in a while. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that the only other thing I'll say is that I really appreciated the nod to them being on CBS All Access with Diane being like, I never used to swear. <laughs> now I do because I find it effective. Yeah, that was very, yeah, yeah that was, yeah. that was very good. It's very good. Um, okay. Let's go to reality. And first up we have Top Chef All-Stars LA, Pitch Perfect. What did you think of the Restaurant Wars pitches? And of course, most importantly, uh, Danny Trejo and tacos. So I love this idea of them having to pitch a restaurant. Like, I think it's a really fun twist on restaurant wars and more importantly than anything what i also really like about it is that it doesn't allow the person who did the concept to hide in the judging because yeah executive chef often like you can you're it's either executive chef or front of house that gets eliminated on this challenge but now you've got like an executive chef that has the vision type of thing 
And that kind of scales back like the thread that front of house faces, which I'm really curious about who's going to get picked. Malarkey gets picked for front of house for one of the restaurants based on the promo. And um, Karen is the other and one. And Karen does for the other one. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's right. That's right. So I think that gives like a little bit of cover to front of house, which is good, I think. But I'm really curious about what this means for like the other folks in the challenge as well, because it just puts a lot of the weight onto the executive chef this time around. So I'm really curious about that and how that's going to play into the larger dynamics of how restaurant world functions. Um, the only other thing that I really have about the pitches is I'm really annoyed by the fact that no one bothered to call up the casual racism of Malarkey's whole concept of a donkey and a dragon. Oh, you mean those two stereotypical associated animals with those cultures? No one's going to no one's going to deal with this. No, 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 nothing. Nothing. We're all just going to talk about how it kind of works and it's just like okay. Well, I'm glad it didn't get picked cuz I didn't want to live with that for another mm-hmm. episode. Um the tacos and trejo stuff was just fucking delightful. Mm-hmm. Um he was so so happy about his whole like machete vest and he could not stop showing it off and i'm just like "Mm, danny you're so good and pure (laughs) um but also making them like cut with machetes was just great and i really really appreciated melissa's whole i just want to work with these all the time now it makes me feel like i'm a ninja (laughs) first of all not the right weapon second kind of racist and c but yes (laughs) so um I, all, all in all, I think it's a really good sort of episode, and I really appreciated again that twist on Restaurant Wars. Um, even if I'm very sad about the elimination because Eric's perspective is something that needs to be like seen and pushed forward, and I'd hate that he had a bad week this week. How did you feel about this episode? Um, yeah, I liked a lot of it. I liked the what it's the, the other thing it sets up with the pitching is that if if it goes as expected one of their strongest chefs will be going home. Yes. Because one of the restaurants is going to win and one of the restaurants is going to lose and probably executive chef is going to lose, is going to go home. That's what usually happens at least. And there's no place to hide, like you said, because it's your concept, right? So that means either Kevin or who was the other one? Gregory. Gregory, right? Yeah. Kevin or Gregory are going to be on the chopping block and they've, there are two of the three people who have won challenges along with Melissa um, or something like that. Right. This, those yeah. three have won the majority right, of the challenges. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, it's uh, that's setting up an interesting restaurant wars and the fact that they have more time to think about it, it can only help restaurant wars, I would think, Yes. but it based on the promo, it's a shit show. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Um, the other thing is that, is that, uh, I just, I need, I need Malarkey to go, but I also appreciate his value as a villain, but also just leave. Um, and um, the, I, sh- I need her to do better or leave for Leanne because I really like Leanne. Yes. And because I like her so much, I need her to, to do better and to validate her being there as I am confident she does deserve to be there. She has done really well in a few of these challenges, but she has also been in the bottom a lot. And yes. for her to keep scraping by, it doesn't help her. 
it doesn't help her in the eyes of the audience. It doesn't help her st- standing on the, like in the fan base. Um, so I'm really hoping she either starts shining or uh-huh. gets eliminated and it's time to go. Uh, Cause there are, I can think of several chefs who I think have in general done much better this season who are eliminated. Um, and cause she's been kind of safe or in the bottom, but not the worst several yeah. times. Yeah, and I mean, this this week, everyone lucked out because... Well, Stephanie lucked out because she had immunity. Yeah. Because otherwise, Stephanie was going to go home. Yeah. Um, but also, as Stephanie kept pointing out, I'm not a restaurateur. I don't want to do any of this. Yeah. <laughs> I like being a private chef. <laughs> yeah. Well, and when they're talking about how many restaurants these people have opened, yeah. I was like, Malarkey's opened 19 restaurants. I'm like, okay, how many of those restaurants are still open? Because... Opening restaurants isn't, I mean, I know that's a huge feat. Don't get me wrong. I understand what a significant thing that is. And he sells them off to other, he opens them for other people who then run them. Like, I get that. Yeah. But also, it is one thing to open a restaurant. It is something else entirely to make a successful restaurant. Mm -hmm. So I would have liked a little bit more of that sense of the numbers, but they weren't going to talk about that because it's such a difficult industry. And because what is yeah. it like 75% of all restaurants close for many, many it's reasons. Like, it doesn't mean they weren't a good higher. restaurant. I think it's like closer to like 80 or 90. Yeah. doesn't mean that the food wasn't good. doesn't mean the concept wasn't good. So like lots of different, there's so many different factors in there, but if one of them has opened three restaurants and they're all successful, that is more meaningful to me than someone who has opened 10 restaurants and who knows how many are still running, you know? Um, So yeah, I I was enjoying Stephanie's energy through this being like, I'm surrounded by restaurants. How about we have like a personal chef competition, right? Like what a (laughs) private chef, you know, task because I'm going to slay that, but you know, Anyways, so so the, I was also enjoying that that little bit of it, yeah. and I'm I, I'm glad that she got immunity, the last of oh, the final immunity. Yes, um, me too. And uh, and yeah, but yeah, hopefully Leanne is able to step things up. Hopefully, because I, I really work. like I really like Leanne. She's got yeah. a special place for me. So we'll see. Hopefully, uh, who are are you still rooting in? Are you up on Last Chance Kitchen or no? I am up on Last. I haven't seen the Eric's episode because on demand is terrible um so i haven't seen that episode but i watched like the two-parter that they did last week so i'm up on that front uh so i know that nini was it's yeah it's nini yeah so right now yeah so the uh yeah i won't i won't say who wins between eric or nini but i will say that i would be fine with either of them yeah making it back in (laughs) yeah i would too so i'm hopeful um anything else oh Leave it to Brian Vitaggio to make the most elegant looking f-ing taco. Just like, I mean, that it's not a taco, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Okay. So we're here, had their second episode, Twin Falls, Idaho. And I just wanted to mention it because I, again, I watched it again and it was just really lovely having uh-huh. um, the, the episodes focus on, I mean, all of these people, but particularly Brandon and his wife, Michaela, their wedding, it was just absolutely gorgeous and, um, and moving and inspiring. Uh, Shangela crushed it. Uh, I, and then this just like, we just need to protect grandpa Larry with, with everything, with everything we have. Cause he's just amazing. He's grandpa. 
Uh, and um, that, which is one of the other corners of the episode, which I know you haven't watched, Noel, but um, one of the queens they have uh, Bob I'm is going to though is mentoring. <laughs> uh, Bob is mentoring local queens, and one of them lives with his grandpa Larry, who is amazing and fully supports his grandson's uh, drag career and and ambitions and everything, and is just absolutely lovely and wonderful, and is like there at the drag show cheering and everything, and like you know, it's just a lovely thing to see that you know, among all the very understandable stereotypes that are and things that are absolutely like shown in this episode to be accurate representations of what some of these people's lives are like there is also a sept or octogenarian sitting in his armchair giving advice on whether on whether you need to go take another look at that hairline before you go out (laughs) you know like oh it's lovely and um bob is particularly open with the camera in a way that's 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 lovely to see so yeah there's a lot of good stuff in this week's episode and next week's is really good too i can't wait for everybody to see it uh we also had the first episode of repulse regular celebrity edition which sees three uh queens making over celebrities and when i say making over celebrities these are some people were like what the secret is that the real celebrities are the drag queens because it is um this was trixie and bob the drag queen and Monet Exchange are the three okay. queens who were so big name, very popular queens. Um, and then they also, and, and they made over um, Nico Tortorella from uh, Younger and Jordan Connor, who puts Sweet Pea on Riverdale. And then a stand-up comedian who I am not familiar, whose name I will try to look up. Um, Those aren't celebrities. Yeah, well, they are the level of celebrity you're going to get to come for a day to do this thing without yeah. paying them lots of money. So, I mean, what do you, what do you expect? Um, they they I, had to, I expect you to rename your show. <laughs> they had to do um, uh, the Snatch Game. And okay. they they did a pretty good job, all things considered. Uh, Jermaine Fowler is the stand-up comedian. Um, okay. They did uh, Lucille Ball. Nico Tortorella did Lucille Ball and did not have the jokes, but did have the physical comedy. He did a good job with like the faces and like the, the, and the, I love Lucy gags were on point. There was some good stuff there. Um, Connor did Chrissy Teigen. Okay. And for, again, for a, for a non-comedian did a good job. Uh, And then uh, Jermaine Fowler did Kavina Hart. So he did Kevin Hart doing drag as a apology for his previous you know anti-lgbtq statements okay and and so uh, that basically they're like oh this guy has a a good kevin hart yeah but and then the other character he was looking at doing was Whoopi goldberg and that was such a crash and burn in season 11 they're like let's stay away from that no let's not do that let's give you an excuse (laughs) to pull out your kevin hart impression that you've done forever and you're a professional comedian, so you're going to be really good at that. Yeah. Um, so, so yes. And then they had to do lip sync and runway. And okay. uh, and the person who won, their charity got 30 grand. The other two, their okay. charity got 10 grand. Okay. Um, for Cystic Fibrosis Canada, for Rain, and for the Transgender Law Center. So, like, some very lovely, very worthy charities. Um, it was fun. It, does it need the time it gets? No. But am I going to watch the next one, which includes Dustin Milligan as one of the people? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm going to watch Ted get made over uh, and the uh, there's I mean, a future episode apparently has Vanessa Williams like there's there, that's a celebrity that um, is a celebrity yeah <laughs> the next episode is the Rus- they're doing a Ruskal 
Um, and the, the drag mentors are Alyssa Edwards, Asia, O'Hara, and Trinity, the Tuck. Okay. So, yeah, there's, I mean, like, they're bringing the star power with the Drag Race alumni. Right. <laughs> so. Those are, those are the celebrities. Everyone is correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, but like, you know, definitely when I'm looking at things to, to watch because I've got to get caught up on stuff, the fact that this airs on a Friday is very helpful. <laughs> Cause that means when I'm out of things on Saturday, I can watch it then. Um, our last show for our weekend TV here is Drag Race and they had choices 2020. Um, what did you think of their political challenge? I mean, where to start with this episode, Kate? Like, I don't know where to start. Um, I mean, do we want to start with the gold bloom of it all? Do we? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. How would we say this? Uh, so listeners, um, there are rumors that people are waiting for gold, Jeff Goldblum to get me tooed and that they're surprised it hasn't happened yet. Um, and that's all I know. Uh-huh. And I don't know any more specifics than that, which is why I didn't get into the, anything like that in my Right up, yeah. but it makes this watching this episode very uncomfortable <laughs> for me because I don't think it's charming <laughs> when he's like, "No, tell me about how you tuck your penis." Yeah, I want to know now. You don't want to tell me, and you're trying to move the conversation on, but I'm going to keep coming back around to it. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not charmed by Jeff Goldblum the way that America seemingly is, so that made this episode less fun. But you know who is wonderful is Rachel Bloom, who is yeah. absolutely in her element here and one of their best guest judges, I think oh, ever. Absolutely, one of their best best guest judges. She like understands the show. She understands the role of the guest judge really well, but also like all the stuff with Michelle Visage uh, that they do remotely is just gold mm-hmm. it's really really good um the cold blue stuff is really really rough from like did you not do any research before you agreed to come on the show oh clearly clearly none yeah clearly none um and so there's that there's the whole thing about like islam that comes up mm-hmm. when he's questioning jackie and it's like yeah it it's not great but you know what else is great christianity and secular democracy in the united states yeah and there's no question when rue starts saying uh preach can the church say amen no one you're not stopping to say well but also uh you know, molestation of children maybe yeah. we shouldn't be you know yeah exactly yeah. so there's all this stuff and it's just like oh, this is this is not good and no one's like no one's engaging with this in a way that stops it Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that I feel like is productive. So that's that all of that really kind of like gets the episode really kind of squishy, um, which is a shame because I think it's overall a pretty strong episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the debate stuff, I think, is a much stronger like snatch game for everyone um, because they didn't have to pretend to be celebrities. They could just kind of pretend to be either a stock politician or be themselves running for president as Crystal did, which was the correct choice to make. Um, even though I kept waiting for Gigi to reveal herself being the robot again. Yeah. Because that's what I thought was happening. And that would have been better. And that would have been better than what they did. Um, because what they did just like they got dinged for was you didn't have anything because you don't know anything about politics. You needed to train, you needed to pivot somewhere. You needed to do what Crystal did basically, which is do your, do your thing about drag as a platform. 
Um, so I really enjoyed like all of that. And again, Rachel Bloom's just so good at this um, in terms of like giving them stuff to feed off of and then also like responding to them. So I really, really enjoyed that as well. The runaway looks I thought were really, really strong. I really liked Widow's look a lot. Um, I really liked Jackie's look. Obviously, it was really, really good. Um, I... <laughs> I liked Gigi's look on like a construction level of like costume and everything. It looked really, really good. But then I was also like exactly the same as Rachel Bloom of like, why are you in a red coat for stars and stripes? That's not the correct thing. But also in my head, when Gigi did the crossover of I'm giving you Quaker Oats realness, I just went, yes, Quakers, those noted conscientious objectors and pacifists. <laughs> when you're in military garb. <laughs> um, that doesn't make any sense either. Um, which All of which is to say, I still really like Gigi's drag. She just did not have a good episode. Um, so I think that generally, it's a really funny, it's a really good episode. Remind me what the hell the mini challenge was? <laughs> it was the cats thing, which was right, the so cats funny. Thing, which was just weird, and I was very here for it. It was a much better sponsored mini challenge than the weird beauty box thing that they did like last week um but it was just weird it was weird and i really liked it I, they should do more of that really weird stuff because it was it was weird and it was good release the butthole edition <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the i really liked crystal's uh mad cat uh-huh. not angry cat <laughs> legally distinct <laughs> from angry cat um Broken and cat. Or sorry, what grumpy cat? Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then there was uh, the obviously Eartha Kit was really good, uh, but really I think thought they were all really fun, yeah. so game, really going for it, and um, very distinct. And also, can we talk about how like obviously it's quick drag and they don't all look amazing, but a bunch of them look really good for yes. fifteen minutes. Are you kidding me right now? It's re- it was just really impressive how good their like quick drags looked in that. I was yeah. really kind of stunned. And we got to talk about that lip sync because it was really good. That was, was a really, really good lip really sync. Good. That's two weeks in a row that they have slayed it. Yeah, I was really really happy with that lip sync. Like, um, it just there was plenty of like performance like stuff there that I thought everyone did really really well with. Um, but it's also like they gave them a good song to do a lip sync to. Like Firework is a good lip sync song. Um and also like I was like, oh they're gonna do RuPaul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're gonna do RuPaul's America or um oh no American. Oh good we're not we're gonna do fireworks. Great. Excellent. Great. Um but no it's really good and I was also really happy that those stars came off. Yeah. Um because I was like Widow's not gonna be able to move and Jackie's got all this mobility because of the outfit. And, mm-hmm. But no, it was really, really, really good. And I don't appreciate the show kind of trying to gin up a reaction to it by continually cutting to a crying Jeff Goldblum. Um who admittedly has like a fair amount of family baggage because of this kind of what his brother went through. But I think that there's just weird stuff still. It's just like, you don't need to keep cutting to him for this. It's good on its own. Yeah, I don't think... For me, they weren't trying to gin it up. I think they were just showing... Because that's unusual for... It is unusual, yeah. A judge to have that strong of a reaction. Or to be to be emotional from the judging. Especially because the... the, the I mean, your, your core judge has seen so much... Yeah. It takes a lot. <laughs> yeah. So 
that was a bit like the normie reaction. Um, sure, and that's fair. But but you know, I but I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Well, what wins your waking TV? Um, uh, I'm gonna give it to both one day at a time and what we do in the shadows. Both have really really good episodes that I really deeply enjoyed um, this week. So I'm gonna give it to both of them because I'm not gonna be able to do it for one day at a time anytime soon. Drats. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about <laughs> you this week? Well, I'm gonna give a shout out to Legends of Tomorrow because I really enjoyed a lot of that. It was just so so silly, so ridiculous. Um, but I'm giving it to the Sondheim thing. Yeah, that makes sense. That's the best thing I watched this week. (laughs) Um, Then uh, now we'll take a break and come back to Spotlight Season 4 of Better Things. We'll be right back after this. Mom, I want to create a dating profile for you. Oh, what? Like Bumble or Raya or something. No, thank you. I'm in a relationship. And his name is you guys and this lady. for the environment really bad mom this car doesn't fit all of us i know oof do we look alike are our gobblers the same oh my god mom <laughs> i got you some prezi time is your friend and we're all here for you You'll find love again. You're so culturally whatever. No, I'm not. You need to do something for you. We only ever have today. Is that a diaper bag? I can't hold it. Ooh. Girl, that is nasty. Ooh. <laughs> I see what's on the other side. Nice tits, Grant. Thank you, dear. That was intense. I'm just saying. Welcome to my midlife crisis. Mom, have you checked your hinge? What? No. You got likes. Really? Ooh, let me see. Ew. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And that, of course, is the trailer for Better Things Season 4, which wrapped up this week. Um, and has has it been renewed for Season 5 yet? Um, No, not yet, I don't yeah. think. I don't, yeah, it, it was because I didn't think so. I hadn't heard that. Um, but, uh, you know, we're big fans of better things here at the Televerse, though I've gotten behind on it. Uh, Mm -hmm. it was on your top 20. It was high on your top 20 for last year. And, uh, it's been a show that's been, every time I catch up with it, it, I'm just rewarded by the experience because it's such a a well-crafted and, and thoughtful show. Um, and this season for me was no exception. I, I, I don't always love some of the gender essentialism. That, that that Adeline seems to be drawn to around like definitions of femininity in the female experience, uh, the, the, the woman's experience, I should say around periods and menopause and, and some of that, um, which was a significant part of, of a few episodes this season, but you know, everyone's got a different experience in the, how they identify with their gender and, and all of that. So with that caveat, I, I really loved everything that I saw this season. 
Yeah, I think that Better Things is still one of like the best things that's on TV right now. Um, really consistently, um, from how it's written, from how it's staged, to the fact that this is really like even on like a network sitcom level, one of the few shows that's willing to just kind of be deeply episodic. Um, this season in particular is there's no through line this season, really, it feels like, in terms of like plot. Um well, which there's just, the there's relationship through lines. Yeah, but it doesn't feel as deeply serial it let me it's not plot stuff it's not plot stuff yeah and yeah there's also not that element of i think that it's more like this season more than anything sort of almost feels like callbacks type of things to um what's his name in new orleans that she keeps running into um mother mother zickles one of her exes (laughs) that's all you know (laughs) yeah i don't even think they say his name in the episode um but like that or like all the stuff with Xander that happens in particularly in Batsonera, uh, which is just like gold. Um I think oh. the his his name is Sam's X. Uh, that's the oh. IMDB credit for Matthew Zickel on Better Things is Sam's X. So yeah. Well that's just fantastic. That's just <laughs> I I love that so much. Okay. That's just beautiful. Um so yeah, so all the stuff like you kind of need that history, but even if you don't have it, I think that it all generally rings really true mm-hmm. and really honest for in a kind of a like you know what that situation is and you know what these situations are, even if you haven't seen anything from Sam's ex before. And I think it just kind of comes through really nicely. Yeah, no, I agree. The um that's interesting because for me. I think for me, there's always some level of thematic through line on better things every season. Yes. And the, the episodes are very standalone. Um, and, and in, in various seasons, they've had more or less like a, a season building arc kind of an, a thing. Um, and I, I feel like Adlin has really settled away from that in general. It feels much more like life. Yes. Um, and that, that these various episodes are happening. It's very like various you know, parts of their experience are happening and they find themselves in recurring patterns and drawn towards certain issues that they're dealing with or things that have been on their mind. And this season, that's very much Sam's relationship with Xander, the, the, you know, her children's father. And there's like, uh, by the, you know, that's where she's at. It's very much defined by where she's at in, her process of pr- dealing with her anger, letting mm-hmm. that go. Um, that That's the focus of, uh, for me, the arc of the season. And there's some of that with the girls' relationships with their father as well. Um, but, you I mean, it's just the way that that culminates in that very awkward <laughs> and delightful and, del- again, deliciously the right amount of petty um, check uh, for him is is very nice i i i believe that sam believes when she says that it's a clean slate and she's letting all of this go and i also don't think she is but i think that she thinks she is yeah. and that's what matters yeah no i absolutely agree i do think that she thinks that she's over it and the degree to which that that is happening 
we'll have to wait for like a fifth season to find out. Um, I do think that one of the best things that happens about Xander is that there's significantly less like drama around him surround- coming from the daughters, which mm-hmm. is always like one of the stickiest points for me. Like it sometimes better things makes me deeply, deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and so having that little bit of a distance apart from Frankie wanting Xander there, um, I think was like the extent of it, like aside from the whole, well, maybe I'll just go live with my dad that Max does and that really just harrowing and then really funny um, sequence about the black dress, the laundry, and then they're calling each other the C word back and forth. Um, <laughs> that is both horrifying and then you can see Adlin start to crack because mm-hmm. they're just they're just a little too deep in like the weirdness of that moment, um, finding the comedy in it. And I just, it just like, I think that the fact that at the very least, Max's seem to kind of come to terms with Xander and Duke to a lesser extent is like moving on in her own very special way. Um, but Frankie needed that little bit of closure. I think that she gets with Batsiniera, and I was very happy about that. Let's talk a bit about Batsiniera because it is yeah. so good. It's easily one of the best things I've watched this year. It is just absolutely um, charming and and fun and awkward and terrible when yes. Xander uh, decides to do exactly what <laughs> what is teased and make it all about him, and then manages to wish his daughter a happy sweet sixteen. Yeah. at her 15th birthday party it is so like just chef's kiss of yep you're fucking terrible because the episode almost makes you like connect with him a little bit not even like him not forgive him but just like connect a little bit with him and then mm-hmm. he does then he goes up to the mic and it's like oh what are you doing why are you doing and then just yeah and i really <laughs> really enjoyed like pretty much that whole episode but the decision to to have him really be that guy and to fully commit to it yeah. um that yes sam needs to let this stuff go and yes it's hurting her holding on to this as they explore through several episodes in the season um most notably father's day but really he is that he is that fucking terrible uh it's great it's great no, it's so, so good. Um, like, I was really happy when it turned out to also be, like, a quinceanera, because, like, I told you at the beginning of the season when Frankie pitched this idea, I was like, what? No, you, you can't do this. It's culturally inappropriate. And then it was like, no, 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 we're going to do an actual quinceanera in addition to a bat mitzvah. And I just went, oh, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank goodness. I was very worried about what was going to happen here. And I'm very glad that this this zagged on me. Because <laughs> um, I was just like... No, you, you, this no. Yeah. The Fox <laughs> family does right. not get to do a quinceanera. Um, <laughs> they are far too white and Jewish to do yeah. a quinceanera. So yeah, I thought it was a fun. Um, I thought th- I thought they blended it well. And really, who cares what a white girl thinks about you know another like about about quinceaneras? Because I'm not the one to say whether it's appropriate or not. Uh, but but as far as a blending what Sam wants and what Frankie wants and trying to be more aware and fitting in with these characters, I thought they did a good job. Yeah, and then just everything else that happens to Xander in that episode from uh, D- 
Deidre uh, Bader's rich just being like, I've been I've been your daughter's emergency contact for the past like ten years. I chaperone them on field trips. People tell me what how great my daughters are. And then I have to go, oh, I wish they were my daughters. And it's just like, oh, just like yeah. stab and the knife twists. And then Greg Comer's Jeff, um, been doing that whole thing about like, you need to apologize. People hate me less because I've apologized. Maybe they should hate you less. Maybe they'd hate you less if you apologize. But I don't have anything to apologize for. Well, okay then. Maybe you do though, because you got your daughter's birthday wrong. I feel like you have things to apologize for, Xander. Um, and like, big kudos to Matthew Glave who plays Xander for just like being a kind of pitiful sad sack um, that you still kind of hate, um, which is a really difficult thing I think to hit because you don't want to veer him too far into like feeling pity for him. Because he's just kind of a low-key awful. Um, so being able to find that like perfect middle ground and then having like the kind of weird comeuppance of inviting him to dinner in the finale and then none of the daughters being there and having gone to the beach for like their own like time together. Oh, just chef's kiss good and just the you talk about the check being the right level of petty. Them ghosting him to go to the beach is the exact <laughs> right level of petty. I love when Rich has to explain to Xander. Yes. You know this is a test, right? Yeah. Obviously, they are testing to see whether you are going to come back again or just abandon them yet again. Yeah. Like, it's very clear what's happening. And he had that hadn't occurred to him. Right, because he's such a terrible, terrible human being. Um, Which, like, one of the things I do want to ask you about regarding the finale is, do you think that Duke was talking to her future self? I don't think so because of the styling. Sure, that I can see that. But I mean, I think it's it's possible, and that's neat. That that potential. I'm very interested, but also with this show, I don't know whether I should just enjoy or be troubled by. Sure. What's happening with Duke? Because, you know. Well, Duke's always been, like, the spiritualist of their, like, of the family. Like, she's very, been very in contact with the spirits. And I don't know how much of that, like, is the magical realism that kind of weaves in and out of better things sometimes, even though this season is much more grounded than I think than past seasons have been. Yeah. Um, But If it's magical realism, I love it. And if they're gonna, like, if there is another season, if they're gonna be like, oh, brain tumor, right? You know, that's, that's just the little concern in the back of my head. Sure. So I want it to just be magical realism and to love it. I think the performance, especially when she turns back and she's like troubled, but also like trying to not let it bother her. And the exchange is just so wonderful. I really Mm -hmm. liked the, you know, like that moment a lot. And it did occur to me, it could be, is that her future self? That could be, um, but I think the styling is too old, which is why it pointed to me to ghost from even earlier, not even yeah. like recent, but even like, but old or uh, earlier time period. Um, but no, I, I really enjoy all of these, these characters and these performances. Like the, uh, you, you know, I love a lip sync. So yeah. <laughs> lip syncing to the typewriter concerto. I forget the exact oh. title of it. Uh, yeah. Like Hannah, uh, Elegid, Elegid, mm-hmm. um, who plays Frankie, crushed that. 
Uh, I love the one spot where she misses her entrance. Obviously, you know, by the end, you realize very intentionally because she's being recorded. It's a performance. Yeah. Because um, it's just so charming. I love that piece. That piece is just delightful. And I don't think I've ever gotten a chance to play it, but I would so relish the chance to to, to play that one. Um, I, I enjoy all of these characters and I feel very protective <laughs> towards them. So yeah, I, as long as everything's okay with Duke, I love what they give, what they give her this season. Um, and the fact that she, by the end of the season, she's finally like past the, you were my last nice one <laughs> um, stage and into full teenage them yes. dealing with stuff. Mom, you don't understand, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a fun journey to watch. It is. And like, it's one of the reasons why, like, I kind of want a season five because they're like setting this up of like the, that kind of empty nest thing that's like on the verge of happening mm -hmm. with, even though they make a really solid and correct joke about Max moving in and then moving out and then moving in and then moving out because that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's going to be fabulous, but it's exactly what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so. And I'm so I'm really interested in watching that, but I'm it's also just been like four seasons, and I really feel like we've watched like Olivia Edwards and Hannah Allgood in particular, um, who play Duke and Frankie respectively, um, just kind of grow up on this screen and grow up in these characters. Um, that it's just been really, really compelling to watch that. And also I'm just like, oh, Hannah Allgood just needs to get all the work. Mm -hmm when Better Things is not filming because mm -hmm. she's really, really good. That free to call a suit. I mean, just so yeah. good. Yeah. Just like on a costuming level for a character really good, but Allegood's just very in it. Like, yeah. just like bodily, just like you can feel levels of comfort, which is like really important. And like, you know, when she's, she's making time with a pretty young lady, right? Uh -huh. Where we don't know exactly uh -huh. what's going on, but I'm like, okay, creepy adult, you know, viewing teenage characters, but also like, get a girl. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so what else about this season stood out to you in particular? Were there any particular episodes that you thought really kind of worked for you or didn't work? Well, you know, I have to shout out New Orleans because... I'm a big follower of, of Randy Rainbow. So I was mm -hmm. very glad to see him pop up. Um, so that was just fun because uh, you know, I, I always enjoy him. So it's nice to see him getting a, a cable TV paycheck. Um, but one of the, my favorite things about the season is the increased prevalence of Rich. Diedrich Bader's always been great on the show, but like yeah. he's a real like core to this season in a way that he's been much more of a supporting player in previous seasons, and I'm just very here for it. Yeah, no, his whole thing in the in the season premiere mm -hmm. just gutted me. Like everything in Steady Rain that they do with him after following his breakup is just. Oh, and then Duke coming in and giving him that little bit of advice. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Mouth of babes, Kate. From the <laughs> mouth of babes. Um, so that was really, really um, great. And I just really, really liked it. Um, no, I'm glad you mentioned him because he's really, really good in this season. Um, even if I feel like he he fades out like a little bit in like the middle of the run. Yeah. But he comes back so hard in those last two episodes that it's just like, this is like easily some of the best best work. Adlin gives Bader like some of the best work of his career um, yeah. to do. And I'm including like Batman, the brave and the bold voicing of Batman in that because Diedrich Bader is hilarious on that show. 
Well, he's he's always good with the comedy. I mean, he's great on Veep. Um, yes, not sure. I mean, just I'm just I'm just talking about recent things, of course, because he's been he's been working and around forever. But yeah. um, it's it's nice to see more shading and nuance and more care towards the Sam and Rich relationship. It's just mm-hmm. such a a lived in real thing. When when he has that moment with Xander, you I mean it feels so incredibly earned. Yes, and uh, and just like almost gleeful but so angry and bitter at the same time and resentful but also justified and like there's a lot going on and i i i really appreciate the season leaving this space and time for that i also liked um some of the you know the different exchanges we get with the the other friends who've been around i liked the, also we got some good phil stuff but it it's easy for i think sam's relationship with phil to overtake Yes. The show and become the central thread, which it, when it does that, it does a really good job of that. But I, I've, it was nice to get some variety this season with that. Yeah, I really appreciate that because every, every time Phil's on screen, I always get like kind of worried. Yeah, right. I'm always um, worried. <laughs> which I don't want to be, but I end up being anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, just from a whatever's going to come out of Phil's mouth, like uh, when they go to the Persian restaurant. Uh, with Frankie, I'm just like, oh no, just make her be quiet, make her be quiet, make her be quiet, make her be quiet, make her be quiet. <laughs> um, to just like the concerns about her overall like physical and mental health, which they've been like very slowly layering in since like the start of the show. Um, well, and I, and I think that... that's why we're so worried because yes, no, they've laid exactly the groundwork that when yeah. they pull that you know that piece out of the Jenga tower, it's going to feel appropriate yeah. and earned, and it's going to be devastating. Yeah. yeah. which just like fits into everything that that the season and sam is saying about our expectations for women and women of a certain age and we're just there they're just there to to be sick or die and create emotions like it's us falling into that exact trap so i actually kind of don't think we're gonna have to worry about phil but i still do because i've been trained by so many so many other shows no, that's super duper fair. I always enjoy when Kevin Pollack is in as as mm-hmm. Marion, and so there was there was a lot of good, uh, yeah, a lot of good family dynamics this season. Did you have any uh, any favorite episodes or other performances? Is, Matt, is is Max trying to hook up with her cousin? She's not not. Yeah, <laughs> I think the cousin's also not not. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. That wasn't just me. Like. No. <laughs> My partner came in and like saw some of these episodes while I was catching up on them, and she was just like, "Are they, are they related?" And I just went, "Yes, they are related." And she was just like, "They need to shut that down." <laughs> um, yeah. So let's see. Um, I enjoyed sort of the King of the Hill, not King of the Hill reboot mm-hmm. um, thing that happened, and then also Sam not getting her original role back um was really terrible and but also just like pure sort of um whatchamacallit pure sort of showbiz nonsense um so that i liked um i also sort of enjoyed um episode seven which is high man by man um which sam just gets really high on um medical cannabis for her hand pain which is like for me like the only plot consistency in this season because she's got that brace on the entire time 
Um, but she ends up smoking too much. Um, and it's really delightful because she has to get Max to leave work. But I think like there's two really good things in that episode. Um, and they're both Frankie centric. First is that Frankie does the pillow thing with Sam to reveal that she lost her virginity just because she wanted to get out of the way. And that scene is really just kind of intense and moving, but in a way that's not the normal sort of intense of the Frankie scenes can be. Um, But then Frankie makes Sam peppermint ice cream, like homemade peppermint ice cream because they don't have any and because Sam's so high, she wants it. But Frankie basically like gets vanilla ice cream, starts like breaking down peppermints and chocolate and making it for Sam. And it's just so good and warm. And one of the things that kind of keeps coming around in this season is um, what you call the ways in which Frankie is kind of taking on some of Sam's things, like making food. Um, and it's just like, oh, it's just really good. And it just breaks my heart a little bit. This show breaks my heart, Kate. Mm-hmm. Yep, it definitely does. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just been a it's it's a pleasure to watch, and it's yeah. as as Adlin has taken over the show beyond uh beyond just like because there was a there's a lot of collaboration between her and and her writing room writers room mm-hmm. she directs all the episodes um in in uh season two three and four but like it's just gotten stronger and stronger as it's gone along and yeah. it's always a pleasure to to live in this world. And she's such a interesting and complicated central figure. I love that the show and the character have such a distinct point of view and they invite you to disagree with them. Yes. And like, which I think is great. And as like, for example, as someone with wonderful parents, not every mother is a single mother. That's just not true, (laughs) but that's the perspective of the show. And that's the perspective of the characters. And they have interesting things to say about that. And they're exploring that. And, and, you know, I totally buy it for them, for these characters. And, you know, and I, I love that it's a show that wants to present interesting characters and crack them open and then have that be their starting point and go from there. Yeah. And I think even to that extent, like um, what you opened up with, with like the sort of gender essentialism that the show sort of bends into sometimes, Um, particularly like with Father's Day here, but they also like, they have another like companion episode in whatchamacallit, um, season three, which I think is Show Me the Magic. um, That the show, I feel like feels comfortable enough for you to disagree and argue with them. Um, while not feeling defensive about it. But it does, I think your point about the essentialism is correct um, because it is very sort of specific, even down to the little film that she's making that we're, we get clips of throughout the season and then a little bit at right at the end with a talk show appearance or something mm-hmm. um, that I think was also like the wise choice not to actually let us experience that because um, I didn't want to go through that. <laughs> Um, that is kind of thorny for the show, but the the show also can't drift away from too heavily with this group of people. But I feel like Frankie represents a point in which that could be fractured in some way. Um, and I want the show to lean in on that more, hopefully, as they go forward. Though I don't want Frankie just to become a token. 
Um, but last season in particular did a lot of work in dealing with the Frankie's overall androgyny and her gender identity. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, you know, like we've both said, it takes a lot of confidence for you to be comfortable at like for a show to be comfortable having these conversations and not, like you said, not feeling defensive about them. And I, that's, that's what I see in better things. So I, I, it's another really strong season. I highly recommend it's all on Hulu. If you guys, but you you don't have you know, on demand or, or or whatever, you can find it all there. And they, I think didn't uh, Pamela Adlin just put out like yesterday, a her tweet of or list of her six favorite episodes or whatever. And they're doing some, some yeah they've been doing some um marathons and stuff on fx so yeah check it out if you have somehow missed the bus and there's there's a lot to really enjoy yeah and don't let the first two seasons being largely written or co-written by louis ck turn you off from the show yeah yeah and if it's really a a sticking point for you i understand start with season yeah He's still listed as like a co-creator because they can't get rid of that. Yeah, but he's he, not a producer anymore. Yeah, he's not, he's not involved, involved anymore. From season three on, he was not involved in the show at all. So, yeah, that can you can start there. Well, that wraps up our conversation on Better Things season four. If you show notes here at the end of the episode, you can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us at gmail.com and we're up on Apple Podcasts with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed as well as over on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And of course, we are both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thanks so much for a great week, Kate. Thank you, Noel. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.